Before we get into the word today, um, we did a prayer and praise gathering a couple of weeks ago. And I just felt burdened for us to do a praise and prayer gathering where we just come together and we worship Jesus for two hours and pray. That's all we do. Because every time we do one of these, we see mountains move, mountains move that weren't moving. We see movement. We see answered prayers. And within 24 hours of that last prayer meeting, we started seeing answered prayers. And we've got a few of them we want to share with you today. I can't share all of them, but we're going to share a few of them. And so I'm going to ask my mother-in-law, Miss Brenda, if she would come up first. This is my wife's mother, obviously mother-in-law. That's how that works. And, uh, and so tell us uh, your testimony. Well. Four, oh, hang on. There we go. Okay. About four months ago, I had, within a week's time, I had two new great-grandbabies. Uh, one of them, when she was born, she had some serious health problems. She was in intensive care for about a week. One of the problems was that she had cysts on her lungs. They were filled with fluid, but they put pressure. She had a number of them. Uh, they put pressure on her lungs and on her heart. So she had some serious breathing problems. Her oxygen intake was kind of low. So, of course, we started praying. The doctors had said she was seeing a pulmonologist, and he said she might outgrow this. So, you know, I said, okay, that's the way to pray. And so I said, Lord, you know, naturally I wanted, her name is Lynn Lee. And I said, we want Lynn Lee healed. Yeah. And the doctors say she'll outgrow it, but I want her to outgrow it right now. I don't want to wait. <laughs> I talked to my oldest daughter, her grandmother, during the week this week. And I said, well, how is Lynn Lee? And she said, mama, she's doing great. She went to the pulmonologist. They took x-rays. He looked at the x-rays and looked kind of puzzled. He called his nurse in. She looked at the x-rays and was also puzzled. He checked them three different times. And he said, there are no cysts on this baby's lungs. Now, listen to this. Yes. The doctor, the pulmonologist, looked at my granddaughter and said, this was God. <laughs> so, yes, there it is. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? At the gathering place, we don't, we're just not a teaching church. We like to say we're a demonstration church. We don't like just um, theology. We like to see Jesus do things now. And so we like to give portions of our service to testimonies. And so we're going to spend just a couple more minutes on testimonies. Is that all right with you guys? Want to hear some more testimonies? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, last Sunday uh, after church, I went to a couple's house that lives right down the street from our church here. They're an elderly couple and they don't get out very much. And they reached out to us through the website. And they asked if, uh, well, their daughter got saved and baptized, lives up in Menifee and their nine-year-old granddaughter. So uh, their daughter called them and told mom and dad, I just got saved and baptized. They said, well, we want to get baptized too. And she said, well, find a church in the area. They said, well, we don't go out much. 
but so they, they searched for church, found us, our, our website, and asked, would somebody come baptize them? I'm like, well, heck yeah. And so after church last Sunday, I just went right down the street here, and I went to uh, Keith and Ann's home, and it was uh, the grandma and grandpa, and then the daughter, and then the nine-year-old granddaughter was there. And so I sat down with them at the dining room table, and I asked them about their relationship with the Lord, and I found that they weren't uh, saved, saved. And so I was able to, by the grace of God, lead them to the Lord. Yeah, and then I laid hands on them, each one of them, and then I asked, like, what do you feel? And, of course, they said what anybody would say who experiences the Holy Spirit for the first time. And then Anne was walking with a cane like this. Like, this is how she was walking, right? And so I said, tell me about what's going on there. And she said, well, my hip's out of socket. The doctors can't do anything about it. And I'm in excruciating pain. So I had the mom and the 10-year-old granddaughter come over. And I said, lay hands on your grandma's hips. And I had my hands on the grandma's shoulders. We prayed. And I said, now, how do you feel? And she stood up. And she said, I feel so much better. But she was still walking with the cane. But she said, I could not get out of the chair by myself like that before. And I said, well, hey, Jesus prayed for a blind man twice. Jesus prayed for a blind man. I said, what do you see? He said, well, now I see men, but they're like trees. They're kind of blurry. And so Jesus, the Son of God, prayed a second time. That's why we pray thousands of times. We don't ever stop praying. Sometimes it's progressive. You just got to keep hitting it, right? Push. Pray until something happens. Push. And so I said, okay. Um, Now now the grandma was standing, and we're going to show you a video of it in just a second. Um, And uh, she was standing, and I said, okay. I grabbed the 10-year-old granddaughter to come over. And I said, okay, now, sweetheart, um, lay your hand on your grandma's hip. And so she did. And I said, say this, in the name of Jesus. She said, in the name of Jesus. Hip, get back in the socket. Okay, now, watch their own testimony about this healing miracle. So uh, what, what just happened for uh, you, Ann? And I want to, your, your name again? Emma. Emma. What, what just happened? Well, Emma uh, put her hands on my hip that had been dislocated, and I've had a terrible time walking all morning because of all the work I did yesterday. And while we prayed, I heard and felt a pop. You asked it to get back in its position where it should be, and I heard and felt a pop. Emma heard and felt it as well. Did you hear that, Emma? Yes, it was like this. It was like a pop on my hand. I'm surprised you didn't hear it. It seemed loud to me. But like I said, I've had trouble walking all morning, and I left my cane over there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. (laughs) And the thing is, Emma's the one that prayed. Remember, I just told you what to pray. Emma laid hands on her grandmother. And she said over once she said she felt the electricity coming through her hand. And then... She said, did you feel that? <laughs> right? It popped. It popped back and in place. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And, and Ann and Kevin uh, just prayed. They received Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And now we're going to get water baptized in their bathtub. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that precious? We're going to pray for you at the end of the service while prayer teams up here. And we're going to believe Jesus for miracles. Um, you guys want to see one more testimony? Yeah. Is that all right? Uh, because um, they're rolling in. And so I had a couple um, solar guys come to my house to work on my solar. 
and uh, it's a mistake to come into my property if you don't want to hear about Jesus. And uh, so I was just asking them um, if they'd ever, if they know who Jesus is and they know about salvation and they, and so uh, this is their testimony here. Hi, this is Luis and Carlos and uh, they're, they're uh, working for a solar company and they're here at my house uh, installing inverters, but they got more than they bargained for. So they just both gave their life to the Lord. So Luis, will you tell us about what you shared about that dream you had last week? I was saying I had a dream that I was um, in a dark place, like a like a pit per se, surrounded by like people or a crowd. Like if you're going to concert, like you're in the crowd. That's how it felt. But it was dark. I just couldn't see nothing, and I felt something pick me up, like bring me up, and a, a voice telling me that I was going to be a part of like the Lord's army. I was going to be a warrior for God, and. Then I had like this arm or this glove on me. I had wings and I felt like I was given these superpowers. I'm ready to fight like an Avenger. And uh, I meet your guys' pastor today and I share that with him and here we are. So it's kind of crazy to me. And uh, <laughs> not an emotional guy and I got very emotional about it. Um, yeah. It was weird. But yeah, that's my experience and here we are. And you just gave your life to the Lord. And I just gave my life to the Lord. And we're going to go get baptized in my pool in the backyard, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And Carlos, you gave your life to the Lord, too. Yes, I did. And I'm going to go see Pastor Holloway and have him do that for me, too. And you're going to go, yeah, there's a pastor in your neighborhood where you go, and he's going to water baptize you. That is awesome. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go get baptized. Go get baptized. (laughs) And in his work uniform. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? And this guy was a corrections officer in a federal prison. He knew he knew El Chapo and all of his all of his lieutenants and the, all those who had been in prison, he like met. He would talk to them face to face, one on one, and uh, he was up in that world. And um, <clears throat> and the Lord gave him that vision. And uh, a week later, he ends up understanding what the vision was about. He gave his life to the Lord. Yeah. Jesus, thank you so much for being real and moving supernaturally in our lives. And we welcome you into this service. We're your people. This is your house. And I'm going to preach your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that it penetrates our hearts and makes us into a supernatural people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank the veterans. Thank you so much for your service. We honor you. Any veterans in the house, please stand. Go ahead. Come on, stand up. We thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for protecting us. We're continuing our series today on gratitude. And this is gratitude month, not just we're not going to wait till Thanksgiving Say what we're thankful for and to go back to being negative people. Gratitude, I showed you last week, 
I showed you scientific research and biblical support for those who choose to make gratitude a habit. It's not just a one-time shot. So we're making it all month long. We are choosing. Can you turn my mic volume down just a little bit, please? We're choosing gratitude. I showed you scientifically how it affects your emotions. It affects your mind. It, it affects your biology. It affects your mind maps, your neuro neurological pathways in your mind. It affects your sleep. It affects your heart rate. Like this is scientifically proven that if you choose gratitude, it literally changes, changes your body. But today I want to look at what I'm calling the three gifts of gratitude. And these truly are gifts. And gratitude is the doorway into these three gifts. Okay, you guys ready? All right, number one is God awareness. Gratitude enables you to be aware of God. When you are ungrateful, you don't see God. All you see are the negative things around you. We live in a broken world. It is not hard to see brokenness, to feel brokenness, to be afflicted by brokenness. Broken marriages, broken relationships, broken careers, broken dreams, broken bodies, broken relationship with God. We have brokenness all around us. But do you know we also live in a God-bathed world? Look what the scriptures say. James says it this way. Every good and perfect, everybody say it out loud, gift. Every good and perfect what? Gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. There are good and perfect gifts all around you. Your wife, your husband, believe it or not, is a gift. Your children are gifts. The Bible says so. The Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord. It may not always feel that way. That's why you've got to operate in gratitude and you begin to see the good and perfect gifts all around you. That job that you prayed for and you got and you thanked the Lord and you gave a testimony in church and then six months later you're complaining about it. You see, it's so easy for us to gravitate toward the negative and the brokenness. Gratitude keeps us God aware. Look what the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 5. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I've been practicing this gratitude thing that we started. I started on November 1st. The first summer was November 5th, so I'm five days ahead of you guys. I'm living with rainbows and unicorns. Some of you guys are still over here with nastiness. I've been practicing every night. I've been giving God thanks for five things right before I fall asleep. And every morning I wake up, I think of five things I'm thankful for. This morning, I got out of the bed quickly. Um, my wife needed uh, some, some help, and so I was up before I gave my thanks, and I took my morning walk. At 6.30, I'm walking down by the airport in Ramona today, and uh, not San Diego airport. I wouldn't do that. The Ramona airport, there's a nice little 
deserted road, and the sun was just coming up. And I just, thank you, God, for the sun. You see these things that we are ungrateful for that are all around us. Right here it says, God causes his son, it says, to rise on the evil and the good people. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, the Bible says that sin causes it to stop raining. You see, rain is a gift from God. We have good and perfect gifts all around us. The problem is we get so focused on the negative because the negative, we can feel it, can't we? Right? But if we will live in gratitude, it is literally like putting on God goggles. Let me have those. You see, when you are, when, when, you, when you look at, when you're looking around, light comes and it hits your cornea and the cornea begins to uh, focus the light. But when you're underwater, water is as dense as your cornea. So the water, so the light first hits the cor- hits the water and it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't focus. So by the time it gets to your eyes, it's all blurred. What goggles do is they put an air bubble around your eyes so you can see clearly. You see, when you're not wearing your God goggles and you're going through life, it's all blurry. All you can see is the brokenness. You have to put on your God goggles and then you can see God's goodness all around you. How many of you have God goggles? You got God goggles? You better put them, you better start wearing them. You got to put them on. I believe this is why the Bible has so much to say about living lives of gratitude. We should be thankful all the time anyway, just because God gave us his son, forgave us our sins, and we're not going to hell. That's enough to say thank you for the rest of your life. Whether anything good ever happens to you again on this side of heaven, it's like, you know, go ahead and threaten me with heaven, you know? I mean, if you kill me, I get to go home. However, as long as we're down here, if you put on your God goggles, you'll be able to see God. Look what Psalm 92 says. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is, watch this. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. How many of you are putting on your God goggles right before you fall asleep? You said you were going to do it. We all said we were going to practice this all month long right before you fall asleep. Give God thanks for five things that went well during the day. Okay, no lying in church. How many of you have been doing it? Raise your hand. One. Two. Okay, we're starting the month all over again. Three. Oh, I'm, we're going to start. No, I'm going to do this until we do it. I'm telling you, I've been doing this, and it is changing my attitude. It really does change the way you see life. I'm telling you, it's scientifically proven, and it's biblically mandated to live lives of gratitude. And then it says, and your faithfulness in the evening and your love in the morning. He goes on to say, he still has on his God goggles, so I'm going to read it with my God goggles on. He says, 
accompanied by a 10-stringed instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. Josh has committed to come to each one of your houses every morning and play his guitar for you to fulfill this scripture. So we can thank him for that. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have. Look at this past tense. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. That's past tense. You thrill me with all you have done for me. You can't just get focused on what's hap not happening now. Focus your attention. Put on your God goggles and look at what God has done for you. You thrill me with what you have done for me. I sing for joy because what you have done. Now watch. He changes tenses. Oh, Lord, what great works you do. You see, if you will focus on what God has done, you'll begin to clear your sight so you, now you can see what he is doing. I'm telling you, it works. It's real. How deep are your thoughts? What a great verse. How deep are your thoughts? In other words, your wisdom has the ability to help me see through the brokenness to your wisdom and solutions. Now watch the way he closes this. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Wow. <laughs> Dang. It is so easy to be negative. Just wake up. Your eyes open up, and it's like, ah, uh, life. <laughs> right? I mean, like one, one, one comedian said, you know, when you have kids, you just wake up angry. <laughs> that's, that's not me. I didn't say that. He said that. It takes effort to choose gratitude. I believe this is why the Apostle Paul and Silas, when they were put into prison unjustly in Acts chapter 16, they were whipped, they were beaten, and they were thrown into prison. At midnight, they had no way out, no way out nowhere to go, and nobody to help them. And what did they choose to do? They chose to start giving thanks to God. And God brought an earthquake and set them free, and the Philippian church was birthed. They knew what to do. Look what Psalm 12 says on this, and we'll move to the second point. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Goggles are back on. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Say it out loud, church. Come on, loud. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The very next thing that happens when you look up and become more God aware is you gain, number two, God perspective. When you become God aware, you gain God's perspective. My sons and I went up in a private jet. A friend came over into Ramona. He has a private jet. And I said, hey, will you take my boys up in the private jet? We went over Ramona all the way up to Del Mar and back. And do you know, just going up, you know, five, 10,000 feet and flying over our city, it's like, oh, I see it all. It all makes sense. Now I know why that I can't figure out north, south, east, and west on that road because it goes like this. You don't know when you're on ground level, right? We live life at ground level. You can't see around the corner, right? A lot of times, what about when it's fog and you can't hardly see anything in, in front of your car? 
But you see, God, when you are God aware, you gain God's perspective on things. He lifts you up. How many of you saw the Hobbit and they went into Mirkwood, the forest, and it's a forest where they, yeah, and the forest, some of the nerds here, the forest, <laughs> some, of, some of the Hobbit and Lord of the Ring nerds. And so they go into this forest that nobody's ever come out of before. You go into the forest and some, they say, whoever goes in there doesn't come out. One of the things that happens is the path just disappears. It's like your five-year plan, right? You got it all laid out just right, uh-huh. And then life happens. And your plan is just poof. They're walking through the forest and their path just disappears. And then they start getting disillusioned. And there's this, this it's just like this stuff that makes them disoriented. And, and then these spiders, big, bigger than life spiders coming out of the trees and they were, they were going to die in there. What did, so what did the hobbit do? What did, what did uh, uh, Bilbo do? He climbed one of the trees all the way to the top. Boom! And he could see the whole forest. That's what it's like when you get God aware. You get God's perspective. Let's look at what the psalmist wrote. He was not wearing his God goggles on this day. Let's see what he was looking at and how it changed his perception on life when he was not God aware. Watch this. Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. You ever felt that way? For I envied the proud. Envy. Woo! Bible says envy will rot your bones. For I envied the proud, when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. Not true. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Not true. But you see what happens? See what happens when, you, when you're negative and envious and bitter? Oof, you start to see things that aren't even completely true. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and they speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people. Enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? You ever felt that way before? Right? You're being faithful at work. You're working hard. You're keeping yourself sexually pure for marriage. You maintain your innocence and your purity. You're being faithful in your your finances, your stewardship, whatever it might be. And then you see some knucklehead not doing any of that, and they seem to be prospering. Have you ever seen that before? Huh? It's a little annoying, isn't it? That's what he's saying. He's saying, have I served God for nothing? Look, those who don't serve God prosper. And look at me. I'm suffering. I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings pain. Oh, I love this. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. He knew that what he was feeling and perceiving wasn't true. 
about God, but he, and if he said, if I spoke it to your people, I would have been a traitor to your people. I would have hurt them. This is what happens to us when we get negative, negative, negative. God's not answering your prayers. Something bad happened. And so you get negative on God and then you start spewing out this negativity to people. You begin to damage people's faith. I would have been a traitor to your people if I spoke like this. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. What's the next word? What's the next word? Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Wow. How many of you have ever been disillusioned and then you sought God and he spoke and you understood? He lifted your spirits. He gave you wisdom. Anybody? How many of you have woken up on a Sunday morning and you're like, I don't want to go to church? Anybody? Your pastor even feels that way. Come on. I'll wake up some Sunday mornings and I can't remember what day it is and I'm hoping it's my day off. I'm like, oh, what day is it? What is it? Oh, it's Sunday. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sometimes. Usually it's, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. But some Sundays I don't say that. Is anybody going to be honest in here? Come on. And then what happens when you choose to go to church and you get up into the atmosphere and you begin to worship, what happens? You're so glad you came. Why? Because you got into the God atmosphere. And God starts ministering to your heart, right? And faith comes. I see it, man. I see people who are annoyed with one another. They come in kind of angry. Or I know what their situation is, and I know they're not happy with each other. And Josh starts leading us in worship, and the band starts playing. And I look over, and I see one of them put the arm around the other, and they start hugging. How does that happen? What happened? There was no counsel. Nothing happened other than they got into the atmosphere of God's presence. And it begins to soften our hearts or maybe something more serious like the loss of a loved one or bankruptcy or some sin that you committed and you just wonder is there life is there forgiveness is there restoration yes yes but you've got to get into god atmosphere got to get into the word get into prayer Get into worship. And God will begin to speak to you. And then, once you are God aware, the third thing happens. God aware, and you get God's perspective, the third thing happens. You start operating in God faith. And God faith moves mountains. As long as you're all caught up in the mountain, talking about the mountain... The mountain of sickness, the mountain of debt, the mountain of relational strife, whatever it might be. As long as you're just uh, consumed with the mountain, talking about the mountain and being negative and critical and nothing ever works out and you're always this way. And as long as you're doing that, your perception is going to get worse and worse and darker and darker. But if you'll put on your God goggles, I'm telling you, it's amazing. You put on your God goggles and you may have been really unhappy with your spouse 
Anybody ever? Like that thing that you used to love about them before you got married now annoys you to no end? The thing you used to think was cute now embarrasses you, irritates you. I'm telling you, the way to ruin your marriage is to focus on your spouse's negative aspects. That will destroy your marriage. I'm telling you, you can be sitting next to them right now, and you can be thinking all sorts of negative things about it. But if you put on your God goggles and look at your spouse, you'll be like, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's you. Hey. I'm telling you, God goggles are supernatural, man. If you will start every day, every day, think at least one positive thing about your spouse and tell them. I'm telling you, it will change the atmosphere of your marriage. Anybody can focus on the negative. It's so easy. You know what? Do it to yourself, too. Uh-huh. Look in the mirror, and you know when you look in the mirror and you see yourself, you're not impressed, right? Most of us are not impressed. Some of you are really impressed with yourself, and it's kind of gross. But for most of us, we're not impressed. We see all of our flaws, right? We know the sin we've committed, the mistakes we've made. But if you look in the mirror with your God goggles on, you'll be like, wow, dude. I remember one day I was in prayer, and I said this out to the Lord. This changed my life. I said, your kingdom come and your will be done. Anybody ever prayed that prayer before? And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you want to be in my will, then you need to love yourself because I love you. It just shocked me. I opened my eyes. I know I didn't say that, right? That's a God thing. When you have a thought like that in your mind, you know it came from him. And then as I'm, he didn't even give me time to, to think about it more than five seconds. And he said this, and you need to love yourself the way I love you, which is unconditionally. And I started thinking about this weird thing we do. Somebody else makes a mistake and we say, hey, man, no, it's okay. God loves you. Don't worry about it. God's full of mercy. Everybody makes mistakes. You make his mistake. And what do you say to yourself? You idiot. That's right. You moron. You loser. Why are we so easy on others and so hard on ourselves? That's not right. That, that's, that doesn't have any integrity whatsoever. So I started thinking about that. Why do we hate ourselves? Jesus said there are two commandments. What are they? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, there is a self-love that is godly. I'm not talking about selfish. I'm talking about a healthy self-love. I'm made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. And so I decided 
I decided, and I hope you do the same thing. I hope this helps some of you. I decided that since I have to be with myself all the time, if I have to be with myself all the time, how would you like to have a friend that's with you all the time and they're constantly criticizing you? All right, would you want that friend to be your best friend? Someone who's always criticizing you? Well, you're having to be with you all the time. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to start being my own best friend. I am my best friend. Doesn't that sound weird? But I decided if I'm going to be with myself all the time, I'm going to give myself mercy and grace as much as I give anyone else. Because, see, that's what God's doing. I put on my God goggles. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you for you to be a healthy human being. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. Last week I mentioned how when you decide that you're going to start walking in things like faith, and you feel faith, you experience faith, you realize how much unbelief you were walking in. Um, when you're sick and then you get well, you realize how sick you really were. You decide to forgive somebody and you operate in forgiveness, then you realize how bitter you really were. You feel the difference, right? That's what happened with this psalmist. He goes on in the psalm and he says this, Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. Some of you are in that condition this morning. You're bitter and you're torn up inside. He says, once I went, this is the same psalm we were reading. He went into the sanctuary of God, and all of a sudden he was God aware and had God perspective. Now he's operating in God faith. He said, then I realized my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. Isn't this so good? This, this progression, God awareness, God perspective, God faith. You see how that works? I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Now he turns the corner into faith. Yet, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand, God. You guide me with your counsel. Oh, he's got on his God goggles. I got to put my God goggles. He's got his God goggles on. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God, there's a big but right there, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish for you destroy them who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. I want to close with a story about God awareness, God perspective, and God faith. Because I think that if you could apply this to yourself, I think it will go a long way. This message can be applied to, to, actually not almost, to every aspect of life, can it? Every aspect of life. Be God, and Thanksgiving is the door that opens up God awareness. Gives you God perspective. You can operate in God faith. So I'd led two of my, I was a businessman here in San Diego before I was a pastor. I led two of my employees to the Lord. 
by God's grace, and then they fell into sin and to adultery with one another. And I was devastated. And I, I was standing on a street corner just weeping over them. And, um, and I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, I said, um, I am weeping over two Christians who have backslidden. You have children backsliding all over the planet. How do you do that? How do you, how do you, how, how do you survive that? Like the love I have for these two people, and you have millions and millions of sons and daughters all over the planet backslidden and sinning. How does your heart endure that? Because he would let me feel his heart. And he said, by faith. I thought, by faith? I don't understand that. I kept thinking about it. What does that mean? What do you think that means? He gave me the answer, but I want to ask you. What do you think that means? How do you endure the heart pain of so many of your children sinning all over the planet? And he said, by faith. I'm asking you. Like, op- This is an open, open-ended question here. Ron is preaching today. Yes, this is what he said. A friend of mine saw me walking down the sidewalk, and he, he ran up next to me, and we were walking, and I was weeping. He goes, what you, what's going on with you? I said, I told him the story, and I said, and God says he does it by faith. I said, but I don't understand that. And he said, well, what's the definition of faith? I said, oh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, Mark, of things not seen. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're all caught up in where they are right now, but I see the end from the beginning. Woo! That changed me forever about pastoring, parenting, being a friend to somebody who's gone astray. I think it's awful, but it's not the end of the story. Because God is on it. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. God sees you complete. He sees you looking just like his son. He sees your end from the beginning. That's God faith. That's God faith. As we are God aware, we get God's perspective. And we end up operating in God faith. But the door into that is thanksgiving. So I'm going to ask us to apply this right now. Right now. Rather than waiting until you close your eyes tonight, we're going to do response time right now. Here at the gathering place, we call it response time. When we're done with the message, we respond. Here's how I want to do response time right now. And you online as well, join us. I want you to either write down on your phone, you can start a gratitude journal right now on your phone, open up a blank page, put gratitude right at the top of it and start. I'm telling you, it will change your brain chemistry. It will change your spiritual life. It'll change your emotional life. It'll change your relational life. It'll change your life with God. And write down right now, or if you're not writing down, 
you're first of all not as good of a Christian as those who are writing it down. But if you're not going to write it down, I'm kidding. Think about five things or five people that you're thankful for right now. I'm just going to give you 30 seconds to do this. You know what 